0: For two and a half years, the city of St. Louis has been exploring airport privatization. The idea is that if we turned over operations of St. Louis-Lambert International Airport to a for-profit entity, they'd give us a cash windfall up front in hopes of future profit. Such a lease would be unprecedented for a major airport in the U.S. Consultants and city officials have been crafting a request for qualifications for interested firms. Now they're getting ready for its release. That's a critical step in this process. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Paul Payne. He's the city's budget director and chairman of its airport working group. Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome. Thank, thank we're you. Al-
0: we're also joined by Linda Martinez. She's the deputy mayor for development. Linda, thank you for being here. Thanks, for Sarah. Do you have a question for our guests or a comment about airport privatization? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Linda Martinez, I know you're the mayor's point woman for this project. Um, There has been a lot of pushback from some politically engaged residents and even some aldermen. Let's talk here. What what do you think is the best case scenario that could come out of
2: privatization? Well, I think this is a process. And I think that a lot of people have a lot of consternation, as you've indicated. And I think that the challenge is that we're in an exploration process. We, we've done things the same way in the city of St. Louis, but we're trying to think about, is there a new way to do something to have a different outcome? Um, there's no predetermined outcome of this. So, you know the entire working group is looking at this as a possibility what might happen for the city as well as for the airport. We've had three major goals at the beginning and that was to make sure that we had the best airport possible and see if there's a way that we could utilize vacant land or unused capacity at the runway. Is there a way that we could have economic impact on the city, you know, through the as you mentioned you know, financial remuneration, but can we do something that changes our community, that changes the economic development opportunities on an equitable basis? There's no predetermined outcome, as I've said. I think that we really are trying to, to explore, and I know a lot of people, like I said, have consternation about it, but it, this, you know, because we're doing this in the open process, it's uh, I think there's been a lot of concern because there's no, we don't know what the, where, where the eventual determinations will, will come to, but you think about it in Midway, nobody even knew it was going on until the end. And, and
0: that was a situation in Chicago where they thought about privatizing Midway, ended up pulling the plug. They had a process that was significantly different than what St. Louis's has looked like so far
2: right. It was very it was very private. it was quiet and, and until there was a final uh, selected bidder. I think they almost didn't even really know the process was going on. We have been much more engaged in this process and uh, wanted to make sure that people knew that was going on but i think like i said because we haven't gotten to the end where the people at, at, in the midway in chicago would have known what the terms were you know it, it's 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 creates a little unease about the process.
0: So you're saying there might be, it's hard to say, but that there might be some opportunities that could come out of this, that that would be the upside. Maybe we could do things differently than how they've been done, and maybe a chance to do it better. Paul Payne, would, would you agree with that?
1: No, I, I would think we're, as, as Linda mentioned, we, we talked about three objectives uh, when this program started. Um, the first being an improved airport. The second being the uh, provision of funds to the city for its asset, uh, basically. Uh, which we would expect to be a substantial sum and a compelling amount in order to make this all worthwhile. And, and third was the opportunity for development of the economic um, factors within the region. So um, I, I think all three of those uh, components of our uh, key objectives will need to be met in su- to some degree in order to make this a success.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: This might not happen, but if it did, you're saying those would be the best-case scenarios. Let's talk briefly about some worst-case scenarios. Denver had contracted with the Spanish company Ferovial to run its Great Hall, which was just one part of its airport. They ended up terminating that contract after seeing some huge problems. It's going to cost $200 million just to get out of it. Now, Ferovial um, has hired former Mayor Francis Slay as its lobbyist, suggesting they have an interest in this project for St. Louis's airport. Does the Denver scenario give you pause about Ferovial, Linda Martinez?
2: I don't think we can speak to any specific potential uh, respondent to the the process. I think that uh, they have to submit their qualifications. They'll be evaluated independently and thoughtfully against a set of criteria.
0: What about privatization as a whole? Does what happened in Denver make you say, okay, there could also be a pretty big pitfall to, to doing something like this?
1: Paul I would, uh, yeah. I would think that, uh, the answer is that they need to make a compelling case when they get to the point. If we get to that point where they submit a bid and, and say, "Here's what here's what our experience is. Uh, here's what our experience is. Here's what we here's what we can show, and then where where we have been successful in other situations, and and what we can do. And then we have to evaluate it when we see it. But until we see it, we're not going to be able to do, gauge one way or the other.
0: Does what happened in Denver make you worried that airport privatization could go heinously awry?
1: Well, it's one of the things you want to be, be able to sure that uh, you, all your uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed when you're looking at these uh, kind of proposals, because you want to be able to – it's, it's a question they're going to be, uh, have, be asked, and it's going to be one that they're going to have to answer if you get to that point. And, and, uh, and we're going to have to be, feel comfortable with that before you proceed.
2: I'll, uh, Linda. Well, it, it's one of the reasons we have uh, these two major steps in the process. First is the request for qualifications, RFQ. And at that point in time, we'll be seeking uh, a response from the, the uh, responding community to think about, do they have a qualified operator? Do they have the financial wherewithal? And, you know, it's, you know, hopefully have a number of people respond. And at that point in time, we'll winnow it down to people who are qualified in both of those. If the operator is not a good operator... The team won't be approved if they do have great operations opportunities and uh, financial standing then we'll be able to approve them for the second part of the process which would be a request for actual proposals so we've done this in a two-step process to make sure we are addressing exactly what you're talking about here making sure we have qualified responded teams that can handle the uh, both the financial and the operational activities. Do some screening on the front end. Exactly.
0: So you mentioned that request for qualifications. I know the mayor had, had said a few months ago that it was about to happen and then it, it looked like maybe um, that was a misspeaking <laughs> or that story
2: was incorrect that had quoted her. What is the current timing on issuing that request for qualifications? We aren't speaking about exact timing because we're going to announce everything through the website the way we've been doing. So at this point in time, we wouldn't make a statement about the timing. Okay. The
0: timing of that, um, the timeline that's currently on the website, um, uh, unfortunately, we've kind of fallen behind what's stated on that. Is there anything in in your minds of when we could actually get to the point of seeing a lease, any sort of date you're thinking of?
1: Well, I I think if you look at the the timeline that's posted there – um, we had mentioned in the beginning it was like an 18, twenty four month period. and so it was at the beginning even stated that there was some flexibility there. I, I think where we are is later down that that pike. Um, but the, in terms of what will you would estimate in t- uh, the process taking if you proceed to the next step would be pretty much the same as what's posted on the website right now. okay.
0: Um, our phone lines have actually been blowing up, which we thought might happen today, and, and that's great to see. I'd like to take a caller. Um, let's go to Mary. Uh, Mary calling from St. Louis. You're on St. Louis on the air.
3: Hi. Thank you very very much for taking me on here. Um, my concern is this, and it's from what I've read in the paper, and it, it has to do with the hands of Rex Stinkfield. It seems like everything that he wants to do for Missouri – He puts through ballot initiatives. He buys out state representatives and state senators, and it's not nearly that good. I call him Missouri's very own Koch brother, and it seems like he's got his hands in this pie, too. And I'm not exactly sure, but it sounds like the consultants could reap reap benefits. If this was to be privatized, it'd be the same company. Um, You're you're talking about
0: Grow Missouri, um, a company affiliated with Rexingfield.
3: Right. And I mean, to me, it's like, you know, I, I look back at like when the Cardinals, when they had to go and build their new stadium, the city had to give up its assets that they made from the, uh, <clears throat> the money that they made from the parking garages. Um, and that was part of the deal. And we had to give that and we lost all sorts of revenue. To me, instead of privatizing this, maybe we need to think, think bigger in this. I just, I just don't understand. And I also think this should go to a vote. And I don't know why I've read more things that it's, and I thank Tony Messenger for writing some great articles. Uh, I just don't know why it wouldn't go to a vote of the people of St. Louis. So
0: Mary, thank you so much for that call. Uh, there's a couple things that you mentioned there, but I would like to to hone in on that vote that, that you mentioned here in your call. I know that when former Mayor Francis Light first applied to the Federal Aviation Administration for its pilot program, he said there would be a public vote as part of this process. Um, if either of our guests could speak to this, when did that change?
2: Well, actually, if you go back and read the application, it, it preserved two options. One was a considered, to consider a possible charter amendment that would go to a vote of the people, and the other was to use the ordinance process, which is the one we are undertaking now. If you read very carefully, the proposal was to s- submit to the people a charter amendment that would delegate solely to the mayor the the opportunity to make a decision this mayor said, I don't want to use that approach. I want to use the inclusive process that involves the board of aldermen, that involves the board of estimate and apportionment. So um, I know there's been a lot of conversations around that, a lot of questions. But there were two options, preserved those options. When the application was approved by the FAA in April of 17, um, and we started to think about this process, we went and visited the FAA, told them the process we were undertaking, set up on our website a timeline that matches the, uh, the, the public process, not the charter amendment that delegated to a mayor the decision-making. And uh, we've been following that ever since.
0: So this was a decision that Mayor Cruson made, that she wanted to go this different
2: route that did not involve the public vote of all taxpayers. Well, what she didn't want was for the, the public people to delegate to her individually as one person a de- you know, this kind of decision-making. She wanted it to be an open process, hearings at the Board of Aldermen, Board of Estimate Apportionment, and a conversation the way other things are, are done.
0: And that ordinance route, you're saying this is something where the Board of Aldermen, who are our representatives, they will have to vote on
2: this and sign off on it. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a change there, but you're saying that the FAA application, it did outline these two different options. Right. And
2: okay. there's a lot of detail around the charter because that involved more activity. The ordinances, you know, we all understand what that process is. So the, uh, but the Mayor Krusen came in and said, I do not want to have this process rest solely on me as an individual. I want it to be the inclusive process. Uh,
0: Mary, our caller, had also talked about the role of Rex Sinkfield in this. And obviously, Mayor Slide did go to him to provide the backing for this process. And these consultants will get repaid if the deal goes through. But other than that, Rex Sinkfield is footing the bill. That does seem to be a concern to a lot of good Democrats in the city of St. Louis who are not the biggest fan of this libertarian billionaire. Um, Paul Payne, can you speak to that?
1: Sure. I, I think the key when we started this process, when you're looking at what, what are your objectives are, and, and, and well, focusing on what your objectives are and then sticking to them. I, as I mentioned earlier, I, uh, we, uh, the ideas of, of an approved airport, but particularly for funds for the city as well, we need to establish what those uh, goals are, which we have and identified, and then you don't move the goalpost. Yes, the, the way the system is set up now is that those working on the project the costs are being borne by Grow Missouri up until that, uh, that point. And if there is a transaction, then proceeds from the transaction um, will be netted out against those, uh, against those costs for, the, for both the improvements to the airport as well as to the city's benefit, to whatever the amount that may be. Uh, now, the, the, I think the guiding principle here is that have we met our objectives and what we set out to do? And if we have then uh, that's something to be offered to consideration and if we have not then we, we you walk away. So that's that's what you look at and and um,
0: should we worry that the very consultants who are helping to to guide this process that they have a vested interest in making privatization happen because that way Rexingfield doesn't have to foot the bill for this very costly thing, Linda.
2: Well, um eight out of the 11 major consultants uh, are advisors are being paid on a current basis. So they're being paid for their work. And so they don't have- No matter their, whether this goes through. No matter whether this goes through. And the, the major person, the entity that is, does not, if you go back and look at the people who made proposals, the firms that made proposals to be part of the advisory team, every single one of the advisory team Proponents uh, that wanted to be part of our process said that their their payment was contingent on whether or not the transaction occurred. This is not unlike what the city of St. Louis does for its bond transactions. It hires advisors, it hires underwriters, counsel, it hires bond counsel. Those people do not get paid unless the city of St. Louis issues the bonds. So, if you if you but when we're doing <laughs> bonds, we know we want bonds,
0: right? Whereas this is something we're not sure we want.
2: And one of the things that that I think is, you know, we have an opportunity here with a venture philanthropist helping us explore something that we didn't have the financial wherewithal to explore. City of Chicago had $17 million sitting around in order to hire somebody to see if this was something that was, you know, financially viable and thoughtful for them to do. The city of St. Louis, somebody is underwriting this opportunity to explore. Doesn't mean we're going to do it, but we're having somebody who's helping us do this exploration. And the contract that we have is extraordinarily specific as to conflict of interest. Nobody, I mean, we are very detailed on whether or not somebody can bid, whether or not can be part of a, 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 a respondent team. Okay. Uh,
0: We're talking today here with Linda Martinez. She's the deputy mayor for development and the mayor's point woman on this airport privatization proposal. We're also joined by Paul Payne, who's the city's budget director. Um, I wanted to say thank you so much to Mary for her call. She had some interesting questions in there. Let's go back to the phone lines. Um, We've got a call from Daniel in South City. Um, Daniel, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
4: Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, You know, everyone I talk to you know, in the city, you know, everyone's skeptical of this deal. And I'm hearing people saying, well, there's no conflict of interest, this and that. You know, Slay started this process. Now he's working for somebody that's going to make a lot of money off this whole project. You know, um, the, the whole process is crazy. It needs to go for, through the vote of the people. We need to follow the money. We need to look what's going on. And I was talking to a woman the other day. She's a family member that works at the airport where they're handing out overtime left and right to city employees. What she says that these young folks taking all this overtime don't understand is that they're going to say, look at all this overtime. We're, this is horrible. We need to fix this. That's why we need privatization. So they're already you know, internally lining this up to try to you know, make us want to privatize by saying there's a problem with overtime. Just another little tidbit that I've noticed. This is We need to follow the money. Rex Singfield is not out for the worker in, in Missouri, in, in St. Louis. It's it's a bad idea for St.
0: Louis. Daniel, thank you so much for that call. Um, Our guests here, is there any sense that the airport is encouraging overtime to run wild so later we could point to we could save all this money? Paul
1: Perry. Yeah, I'll I'll discuss that. that. That's actually not unique to the airport actually we're experiencing that throughout the city and and i think it's just a a a matter of the fact that we've got unemployment's currently low and and so when people find other opportunities they go looking for other jobs and so the vacancies we're experiencing throughout city departments and we're having trouble filling them so that i don't think you can draw a line between that connection that that uh, situation and anything else. It's just a, it's just something that we're experiencing citywide right now.
0: So also this question was raised um, obviously uh, Mayor Francis Slay went from sort of jump starting this process to going to work for a company that might be interested in it. Do you think that that creates this this tainting in the mind of many St Louisans that that makes things um, makes it hard to to argue that this process is going to be not subject to corruption?
2: Well, I think that at this point in time, we don't know who the responding teams are going to be. We don't even know if you know the, it, who will be uh, answering a request for qualifications should that be issued. And uh, at this point in time, we have very detailed conflict of interest rules that are that apply to, employees of the city of St. Louis, former employees of the city of St. Louis, and we're going to apply those thoughtfully and vigorously.
0: Would that apply to Mayor Slay's work on
2: this case? Well, I don't know you know, what his specific role is, but there are rules of the city that apply to if people are former employees. So we will we'll address that thoughtfully.
0: Uh, let's talk about another apparently former employee. Um, up until this week, Douglas Petty had been a spokesman for the working group, and he was employed through the St. Louis Development Corporation. But as of yesterday, he's gone. Um, as you know, he was linked to a call to this program that a voice recognition analyst said was likely him. Um, did that have anything to do with his departure?
1: Well, here's here's what I can confirm. I can confirm that um, he is no longer working with SLDC. And I'll also confirm that he's no longer a spokesperson for the working group. But going beyond that is a personnel matter, and uh, I don't think it's appropriate to go uh, much further than that.
2: Linda Martinez, anything you'd want to add to that? We don't comment on personnel matters. Okay.
0: Let's go back to the phone lines. Um, they really are blowing up today, which is exciting to see. Everybody wants to talk to you, too. Um, we've got Tom from Edwardsville. Um, Tom, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
4: Thanks. Hi. How are you all doing?
0: Um, Tom, thanks thanks for giving us a call. What would you like to talk about?
4: So it seems to me that it takes X dollars to run the airport. If we lease the airport, then the expenses, what it costs to run the airport hasn't changed. Where the money comes from, which is from the users and from the taxpayers, hasn't changed. The only thing that changes is now we add a profit motive. And that's really all I want to say. It seems obvious to me that this is not something that really is in the taxpayer's interest or the user's interest.
0: Tom, thank you so much for that call. We appreciate that. Um, Do either of you want to speak to the point Tom's making here?
2: Well, as I said, we have uh, runway capacity. Uh, We have, you know, over 50% of the runway is available for other activities. We have 1,000 acres of land, and uh, we don't have the financial wherewithal as the city of St. Louis to underwrite opportunities that might grow the revenue. So I think people keep thinking that we're just taking the same pie and dividing it up into smaller pieces. And what we're trying to think about is what can we do to help the entire city of St. Louis, help the region have more activity and more economic development opportunities and job opportunities, and therefore, like I said, grow the pie rather than just divide up in smaller pieces. So I think think the premise is incorrect. I think we're trying to do something that's larger and more expansive.
0: The Post Dispatch recently ran an op ed by a history professor at the University of Puerto Rico, Rio Piedras. And he wrote, uh, and that's a place where they did privatize that airport. He wrote, the financial political relations around privatization has insulated the Luis Munoz Marin Airport from public ap- accountability and from monitoring of commitments made during negotiations. Moreover, our airport has become just one more commodity in a fast moving global financial market. Its contract has already changed hands on two occasions, as per the whims of investors. With little thought to Puerto Rico's well-being, the same could happen in St. Louis. I'm sure both of you guys saw that op-ed. Um, I saw a correction was later made to part of it, um, but his overall point still stands. Do you think Paul Payne did he did he have a point here about the potential
1: woes? Well, I, I think you have to weigh every every situation. You you look at uh, any scenario which has uh, which has uh, privatized or not privatized, whether it's. European airports or U.S. airports and you, and you see what their experience has been. And I, I think what this process will do will be, if we, if we go to that point, we'll be inviting uh, possible proponents uh, or possible proposers to come in and explain where their exp- what their experience was, and we can review that and we can assess that on our own. Um, uh, yeah, Puerto Rico is a, is, has a much separate much different situation than ourselves uh, in, in terms of both economy and, and, and development. Um, So I I think the the key is basically looking at what actual experience, what actual uh, proposals come up if we get to that point, and uh, reviewing that uh, on a a case-by-case basis.
2: Make There's also uh, part of this process, and, you know, we haven't talked a lot about it because we haven't gotten to that point in time, but there'll be operating standards. I mean, there'll be things that will speak to the cleanliness and the, the, uh, how gates are run and how the airfields are run. And so there'll be very detailed specifications on how this airport will be operated. And the operator will be measured against those and be in that, that agreement. those standards will be enforceable by the, the city of St. Louis by the airlines themselves, you know, we'll get feedback from the customers and the input from the community. So there will be, there'll be an opportunity f- for us to have an objective metrics as to how this, the, uh, the airport is run. And so we're hoping that people will see that as this is not going to be done on a whim. We're, we're institutionalizing the, uh, the standards.
0: We did get a couple of tweets from a man named Don Brown. And he writes, it says all you need to know in the teaser. Nobody else has ever done it. There's a reason. Can you imagine Atlanta contracting out ATL, the economic engine of the state? Privatization is to grab the profits. The problems will always be left for the public to pick up the cost. Um, Who is really going to be liable? Private airport screeners? Check today's date. Al-Qaeda went four for four against private airport security. Turns out efficient was code for cheap. It still is. Um, obviously, he's got a strong point of view there. But for people who are concerned about cost cutting, it seems like an airport could be the scariest place to see cost cutting go through. Uh, Paul Payne, does that give you any pause?
1: Well, I, I, when you when you're looking at the airport, there are a number of metrics you look at and trying to say, hey, is there is there a way of of improving the operations that you've got today or not? Um, whether it's a cost per plane passenger or revenue per plane passenger and where are those metrics with our peer peer airports i think you can see in the last few years you have seen an improvements uh, on those scores with our own airport but then you get you have to look at it and say hey is there a better way of doing it is it possible you can reconfigure something to to improve what we have today I, the answer is is not clear until you start uh, delving into pot- potential proposals but um, um, I, I think those are the kind of things that you look at when you say measuring where do we stand today versus our, our peers, and, and then uh, is there a potential there for improvement?
2: Linda Martinez. Well, the other th- piece of that is that all the standards for security and operations at the airport will be exactly identical to the current situation. Any private operator has to, to is accountable to the FAA for security, and it's not you know not a question of trying to cus- cut. Cut costs for the screeners. It's a question of meeting the standards that the FAA requires, and so I don't I don't see that as a concern, because especially when you think about the fact that three fourths of the passengers, in that go through airports in Europe, go through a privatized airport, and they're working, they're just as concerned as we are about security and safety, and have accountability to the FAA. So.
0: So we're almost out of time here, but I'm going to go back to the phones for just one last call. Uh, this is someone who's been hanging on the line for a very long time, Maud. Um, Maud, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
3: Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'd like to go back to the timeline real quickly. Will the results of the Grow Missouri Fly 314 study be made public before the RFQ is issued or at some other time? And if so, when would that be? I'd like to get specific on, on when we
0: get to see the study. Uh, that's a really good specific question. Uh, Linda Martinez, is that Grow Missouri study going to be made public before the RFQ comes out?
2: I apologize. I'm not sure what study they're talking about because I um, don't...
0: Moad, can you give us a, a few more specifics about that study?
2: The study that we're paying or that Rex is paying the contractors to do. The contractors and, and advisors are assisting us through a process to evaluate the the financial elements of the airport, as Paul was saying earlier, and how do we compare, clearly, our airport is getting much better all the time. And the question is, as Paul indicated, you know, how do we compare to other airports of similar size? We're a medium-sized hub, and are we growing as fast as others? We have opportunity because we have, you know, more than fifty percent capacity at our in our runway and and a thousand acres. So I think, is, we, is
0: there a study that the consultants have been writing as part of this process that's been going on?
1: Well, I I would say they they've been guiding us through each process and each process each each stage of this process, which would be like for instance the next would be as we talked about earlier would be R F Q, in terms of is there sufficient. Uh, um, uh, is there a sufficient uh, um, uh, feeling that we should proceed with that step? And that's, if that means study, I, I, I don't know what the caller was referring to. But that's how the process has been working, where they've been guiding us to the each, each step. So they've say, been
0: helping you study things, but there's not a formal written report right. being it, it, generated. It's, it's
1: a process which has several... Uh, milestones in it, um, okay. RFQ would be one, and if you get that far, an RFP would be another one, and then then you get actual to uh, a selection of, of an operator, and then uh, and then a lease. So there's various there's various steps in that, and so each one of those is being guided uh, as we proceed. Okay.
0: But we shouldn't expect a formal written report on on everything that's happened so far. Right. It, okay, that's great to know. We are actually all out of time. Um, Maude, thank you so much for your call. I want to thank all of our callers, even the ones we didn't get to. Um, a lot of interest in this topic. Paul Payne, uh, the city's budget director, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Linda Martinez, thank you for being here. Linda is the deputy mayor for development. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.